When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Not too bad today, Alex. How about yourself? We're getting ready for the Hall of Fame coming up pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of time left. I got the dates mixed up whenever I said, let's do this as our big Hall of Fame episode. But then I looked it up afterwards and it's not the 21st. The vote is revealed. It is the 25th. So we could have potentially done this next week, but I'm, you know, trying to get something special for next week. So this is the Hall of Fame episode. And just to preface everything going into it, Jared and me do not have a Hall of Fame vote. <laughs> we, we just don't. No, no I'm, I am entering year three of service time here <laughs> with the BBWAA. So as soon as I could potentially vote would be 2030. So I've got a long ways to go for this. Dayon Kovacevic uh, has his vote. You could read his uh, ballot. He's also done a couple podcasts on that here on the network so if, if you're interested on someone who actually does have a hall of fame vote what they have to say go to them but as a future voter myself i and just as a fan of the game of baseball I, I feel like this is a good discussion because this is such a polarizing ballot and i know we've touched on this about a month or so ago about how you know polarizing this ballot is going to be but one area in particular comes down to steroids and PEDs. And this is a very, this is the doomsday year for it because it's the last year of Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. It's the first year of David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez. It's the last year of Sammy Sosa. This is such a monumental, there's such a line here. So Jerry, before I get rambling on here, let's throw the ball over to you first. Where do you stand? on it should steroid users be automatically disbarred from the hall of fame no because it wasn't technically illegal when they did it um but i mean it doesn't to me hitting a baseball is not improved by taking steroids if if that was the case i probably would have started taking steroids when i was 10 um but i've never been able to hit a baseball um so it's just one of those situations but i i don't think that they should be disqualified if you're going to do that and Anybody that's ever taken an illegal drug or, or substance, um, whether it was performance enhancing or not, then they should be disqualified too. And I think that takes out a lot of guys from the 70s and 80s. And 
You know, you just, it's just a slippery slope because at the end of the day, steroids saved baseball because of the power surge that we saw in 98 in the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, we can't pretend, we can't pretend that, you know, this wasn't something that major league baseball at least willingly looked the other way towards for years. Oh, but major league baseball will hundred percent look the other way. Yes. And Bud Selig, the man who was mostly looking away, who at least the top guy in charge, is in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm not going to make the equivalencies there. It's just something worth pointing out. For me personally, I, it's, it's not an automatic disqualifier. And there are different ways to look at it. Like DK has David Ortiz on there. Well, David Ortiz technically did fail a test in, that, in, in the Mitchell Report in 2003 before is monitored, but we don't really know exactly what he failed. And there's a lot of fuzziness in there. Was it actually a steroid? There's a whole lot of gray area with it. So that's why, you know, David Ortiz is on his belt, but then he cites the character clause for Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens, which I'm not going to get into, but if I had a vote, I would put both of them on there. And I know people that say, say that, well, it was, they never failed a test. Okay, that's one perimeter. We've also seen people who include Bonds and Clemens, but not Alex Rodriguez, because Alex Rodriguez was caught up in biogenesis. He was the face of that scandal right there. I don't know if he formally failed a test in there, but it was such a clear cut. He did it. There's no other way around it. I, I, I don't know. If I had a vote, I'd vote for Alex Rodriguez, too. I am of the opinion that the Hall of Fame should go to people that can you tell the story of baseball without this person? And I don't think you can tell the story without Barry Bonds. You can't tell the story without Alex Rodriguez. You can't tell without a lot of these people. My point being, (laughs) circling back here before I let you back into this, Jared, is the David Ortiz scandal is very similar to Sammy Sosa who Sammy Sosa was basically in the same boat as David Ortiz, and he hasn't been given the time of day for any Hall of Fame vote. And he's basically in the exact same boat as David Ortiz. Now, have our morals changed, as, or is the BBWAA's morals, I shouldn't say our morals, you know, as baseball fans, but has the BBWAA's morals changed that they will include a David Ortiz rather than a Sammy Sosa? I think if one's a Hall of Famer, the other one at least deserves some strong consideration. In that case, is is that maybe is is that fair to make that comparison? Because they're two very similar players at the end of the day. Yeah, I think so too, and I I agree with you on that. I mean, Sammy Sosa again, 1998 saved baseball coming out of the strike in 1994, and baseball was dying. In 1998, you had McGuire, Sosa, and Griffey that that saved baseball. Now, obviously, Griffey you know tailed off towards the end of that season. But, but Sosa and McGuire were there, and they were so much fun to watch, man. They were so much fun to watch. I was eight years old, um, and it, was, it, it really opened my eyes to baseball. I started falling in love in the game in 1996, and then 1998 happened, and, and voila. I mean, you, and you mentioned it. You can't have baseball without telling the story of Barry Bonds. You can't have him – you can have two different careers, honestly, for Barry Bonds. Pirates Barry Bonds and Giants Barry Bonds because I think they're two different players, um, both in a good and a bad way. Um, I mean, I've never seen somebody play the game like Barry Bonds had, and to to have him not in the Hall of Fame, I think, is criminal. Um, he's the best power hitter of all time, and I've never seen anybody with his plate discipline 
ever. And no, you know, that, that matters too. It, it, it all matters. When you look at the grand scheme of the hall of fame, this is a sport where the, where the best hitter of all time, the hit King and the home run King might never be in the hall of fame. I mean, the, the hit King Pete, Pete Rose accepted those terms. Right. It. So I have absolutely I no pity for Pete Rose. He took a plea bargain and you know, that's why he's not in the hall of fame. I will also say that once Pete Rose passes, I would be in favor of putting him in the Hall of Fame just because, again, for the same thing, you can't tell the story of baseball without Pete Rose. Not whenever he's alive. He, he forfeited that away by taking the plea bargain. But in the, whenever we look back in history, you have to include Pete Rose in there. And maybe, you know, a Barry Bonds, uh, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, may as well throw Kurt Schilling in there for a very different reason. Kurt even asked to not be included on this year's ballot and he has basically no chance of getting in the hall of fame maybe they get into a veterans committee i'm not exactly confident that they'll get in through a veterans committee because even if, whenever we look at this past year of the people who finally did get in it wasn't dick allen should be a hall of famer by stats and he's not still it's kind of ridiculous it's not always whenever you go through veterans committee if you are exactly you know the best player so I don't know. There's a very real chance. Basically, the only guy who has a chance this year is is David Ortiz. Like the next most likely would probably be Barry Bonds. And if we're being very optimistic about his chances, it would be about like one percent. This is this is looking like an Ortiz or bust as far as like the BBWAA vote compared to go along with that large class through the veteran committees. Right. And that's, I mean, is that, and, and, my, and what's funny to me about Ortiz is because Ortiz was a designated hitter for the most part of his career yeah. um, and first baseman, of course, but you I mean, Edgar Martinez is in the hall as a, as a designated hitter, completely different types of players, but Ortiz was this gregarious fellow. He was this upbeat, this, this always, you always see David Ortiz with a smile on his face. He was pleasant with the media. Not Clemens wasn't pleasant with the media. Bonds sure as heck wasn't pleasant with the media. And I think it kind of is funny to see guys like Ortiz because by and large, Barry Bonds' career is far and above what Ortiz did. Now, what Ortiz was able to do in San Francisco, or not in San Francisco, but in Boston was, was nothing short of incredible with those teams and, and what they were able to do. But as far as the championships went and, and those sorts of things, but it is interesting to kind of put things in perspective as to why we feel certain ways about some players and certain ways about the other. Yeah. And I think the changing morality, as, as I put on with the BBWAA, not saying that A-Rod is going to get in, but at some point, someone who either failed a test, someone who failed a test is one day going to get into the hall of fame and it's going to make the, well, why isn't Barry Bonds in the hall of fame argument look even more silly you know, in, in retrospect, we'll get into, I mean, there are, there are, there are steroid users in the hall of fame. We can't, we can't deny it. Like they're, they're just are, and that's not a bad thing because there are some really great players that are in the hall of fame and not even great. Oh, if they never took it, they'd be in the hall of fame, you know, no, just like great players. Let's throw away every other category with it. Great players. And great players belong in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I <laughs> I don't know. This is looking like a pretty depressing BBWAA ballot. 
this year, and it's not going – I think this is the apex of all the ugliness. This is what it's been leading to. Not saying that we're not going to get some of this, but the A-Rod debate will not be nearly as great as the Barry Bonds debate because A-Rod right. is not as polarizing a player if no other reason. Exactly. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out over the course of the next few years because there are only going to be more and more players added to this ballot now um, that have probably been associated more often than not. And I think that's kind of the way that this generation is. I mean, you're always there's always going to be a tie to something illegal. And it'll be interesting to see how it works. Hey, we are going to take our first break right here. We'll be back after this word from our sponsor. Podcast will be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Jared, we've got the Hall of Fame ballots in front of us right now. There are some clear-cut yes or no players in this example, but let's just go through some players who don't have any ties to steroids, who don't have any ties to anything else, just are on that fringe as far or as the Hall of Fame goes. So I'm going to, we're going to go through a couple guys here. So not even going to touch on like the Manny Ramirez's or anything right here. So we're going to find out Hall of Fame or Hall of Very Good. We're going to go in alphabetical order here. Starting with the first guy alphabetically on the ballot, Bobby Abreu. I think he's the Hall of Very Good. I don't think that he's quite, his career was quite good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. But I do think he was, he obviously he was a def, definitely a very good player. Uh, for the multiple teams that he played for, but I just don't think he's got what it takes to make it to the Hall of Fame. I'm going to throw this out here. He was on base more times than Tony Gwynn. I added a little bit through base running and defense. I, I don't know. Abreu is right on the line for me. And Is this his second or third year on the ballot? I think it's his third. So I'm, gonna, I'm not 100% sure as far as Abreu goes. I think it's his third year, so I'm going to just miss out on a potential 10th year, you know, do or die. Is it up to me if Bobby Abreu goes into the Hall of Fame? That is way too much power to give me. Uh, if fringe for me, I would lean towards good, but I could probably be convinced to fame the more I look into it. Mark Burley. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think, you know, really? longevity-wise, I, I just, I mean, it was, I think the overall body of work, I mean, he was, good for for quite a number of years as in a position where you have to be good to stay in the league and i think Burley, with what he was able to do i think you know his he warrants that and and i think he was a great leader for his teams and i think that matters too you know when you look at the hall of fame you look at you look at players and you look at what they were able to do for their teams and i think Burley's a guy that that could get in now i don't know how it stacks up um but i do think that he does have the I think the backing to to do it if the voters were to go that way. See, for me, he's a clear hall of very good. And I don't mean that it, it, he was a very good player. He was the type of guy that every team would have loved to have in their rotation. Someone who's going to go out there and give you 200 innings year in, year out of quality baseball. Absolutely. You would love a guy in that rotation. I, he just never really had that peak. He had that, 
if he would have had like a Cy Young year in the middle of that career to tack on to everything that he did, then yeah, I would consider Hall of Fame, but he just never did. So not quite for me. Hall, very good. Todd Helton. Ah, oh, man, this is a tough, I think this is a tough one. I think he is, I, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. I love Todd Helton. I love what he did in Colorado. Um, obviously, you, you're going to say that the stats are skewed because he played his home games in Colorado. But, man, was he fun to watch. And he held that, he held first base down at, at, for the Rockies for so long. Um, but I think this isn't even away from, uh, even away from home he was a great player, and I think he would be deserving of the Hall of Fame. You know, he's a Hall of Famer in my book, and I know five All-Star games, that's not a ton, but only three gold gloves, four silver sluggers. Like, it's never really that high in MVP considerations. I, I get that, but just year in, year out, yes, I know Coors played a factor in it, but a one – what was it? I had it right here. A 133 career OPS plus – He's not in for counting stats. He's in for longevity, just being a very good baseball player. And yes, I give a bonus point for someone who spends their whole career with one team. Hall of Famer in my book. Ryan Howard. Uh, it's so tough. I think if he doesn't get hurt towards the end of his career, he's in the Hall of Fame. But I think for, for me, he's a Hall of Very Good. I, just, I mean, the statistics back it up. But again, his injury history down towards the line or down, down the line in his career. I think that's what really, really hurt him uh, when it comes to figuring out where he should go. You see, he's barely Hall of Very Good in my mind. Like, he had a couple monster years for those Phillies teams, and if he didn't get hurt, maybe those continue. But, no, not even, just just counting stats. A lot of good RBIs, which, of course, he's going to get with Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley, you know, batting in front of him. Uh, Tim Hudson. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, the pitching coach at Auburn. <laughs> now and uh, um i mean I, t I think to me if i'm gonna go with mark Bur burley's in the hall of fame i think tim hudson's in there too uh what, what hudson was able to do with the a's i think was uh it was impressive um but i mean hudson he, he you know he, he did his job he went out there every fifth day and he did what he needed to do um and he did it on a lot of teams that you know that that he needed to you know be one of the top guys and he was able to, to do that and to me, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, statistically speaking, I think he's right up there. But, you know, that's a guy that's – he's to me, he's right on the edge of Hall of Fame, but definitely a uh, Hall of Very Good. I, I don't think Tim Hudson was ever the best pitcher on his team. So, I mean, just – no, like, very good ball player. Very good. I'm happy that he's getting at least some consideration. I think this is a second ballot. But, no. No, not a Hall of Famer. Uh, Tory Hunter, I'm going to say no, but Dan, was he one of the most fun center fielders to watch defensively for a couple years early in his career? Yeah, I'm the same boat because I think he revolutionized the flashiness of the outfield. He made the outfield look like fun to play with the diving catches and the, and the wall grab. I'll never forget the all-star game where he robbed Barry Bonds and they, he picked them up right beyond second base. I think that was, that was a really cool moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, defensively I think he was incredible the offense I just don't think it, it adds up to the Hall of Fame factor but man you're right he was a lot of fun to watch another center fielder a lot of fun to watch defensively Andrew Jones and same boat as Bobby Abreu for me as someone who is absolutely on the fringe 
I don't know though. <laughs> probably yeah, not. Yeah, I mean this yeah, I had to go with probably not. Though he was a big pillar in those those nineties Braves teams that were pretty damn good. And man, that's it's tough because a guy like him I think is deserving of it. I just don't know that he had the 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 longevity of the career to back it up. Yeah, if he had a 30s, even half as good as his 20s, he's probably in the Hall of Fame, but he didn't. He fell off pretty fast there. I lost my ballot here for a second. This is a very, <laughs> not a great operation. Uh, Jeff Kent. I think he's all very good. I just was never sold. I mean, he was a very good baseball player. I just don't think he's a Hall of Fame caliber second baseman. Chase Utley is my line for a Hall of Fame second baseman, and Chase Utley is better than Jeff Kent. Yes, I agree there. I, this guy's not even close for me, but I heard you say it whenever we were getting ready to go through this segment. So give me the Tim Lincecum pro case. Oh, I think Tim Lincecum is my, my dude. I think he's a Hall of Famer. He is, he is the Terrell Davis of Major League Baseball pitchers. Um, he was incredibly good for a short amount of time. And that was, that was really it. Like he was his peak and there was no, like, there was no creep up. <laughs> But there's there was just his peak, and that was that was it. But to me, I think Tim Lincecum just because of that, I think he's the Terrell Davis of Hall of Famers. But that's my hot take. Um, I think Tim Lincecum is a Hall of Famer. Couple Cy Youngs, really good pitcher for a while. Candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. Uh, not going to touch on Justin Morneau. Joe, Joe Nathan. I think he's very good. Um, again, I, I mean he. he statistically i think he's okay i just don't think he's a hall of fame caliber um and i I'll, i just don't think he's going to get enough votes as well i'm going to steal this one from foolish baseball who points out that joe nathan is one of six relievers with 30 career wins or three 30 career win probability added it would have nine pitchers with at least 900 innings and a 150 career era plus or better we're, we're talking niche stats at that point. I get that. Yes. Those are two very legitimate analytics. And honestly, that was the first time I heard anyone gave like a very realistic approach for Joe Nathan. There's another reliever on here that I'm going to be far more adamant about once that reliever's in. Joe Nathan might actually be on the ballot whenever I potentially become eligible. I'll think about it then. Right now, Hall of very good. And Papelbon is not even close if Joe Nathan isn't in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. He did choke out Bryce Harper, so that was at least one good meme. Uh, Jake Peavy, no. I'm in the same boat there. Same with Andy Pettit, no. See, I'm, I'm torn on Andy Pettit. I grew up a lot. I grew up watching a lot of Yankees games. I, I watched Andy Pettit. His postseason, I think um, his postseason stats, I think, are, are, are really good. Um, that matters. He's a winner. Um, but he's one of those guys that he came out and admitted that he did something wrong. And I think we have a completely different perception of Andy Pettit than we do. Some of the other guys that just kind of ignored it and just moved past it. And I think that is something too. I mean, character wise, um, you know, I think Andy Pettit is a hall of famer, but I mean, he's one of those guys that you, when you look at the whole body of work, uh, the postseason wins, the, the, the World Series championships. Now, clearly, he was on a very good Yankees run. Um, but, again, I think he's a Hall of Famer, but that's also just kind of my bias for watching the Yankees a lot growing up. 
I was going to say, only reason he made it a second year is because of Yankee bias. If he would have played his whole career for the Mariners, he would have gotten 1% of the votes, and that would have been it. Uh, Przinsky, no. Not touching Manny or A-Rod there. Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland is a hard yes for me, and I'm, I'm willing to do the full Edgar Martinez. Why isn't Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame? It shouldn't take him the full 10 years. I'm happy to see him actually pick up some traction this year. I think he and Helton are the two that have picked up the most. Yes. New votes going by uh, Ryan Thibodeau's votes, which, of course, not Mr. Tibbs. Go, go follow him on <laughs> no, I, I agree. if this interests yeah. you at all. But yeah, Scott Rowland is a no doubter in my mind, one of the best third basemen in the history of the game. Oh, without a doubt. I think he's, he's top notch. I, I think he's very deserving of a Hall of Fame spot. This is someone that's kind of surprising me that we haven't really given no one has really, really talked about so far, but Jimmy Rollins. Yeah, he was a big factor for those Phillies teams, man. Jay Rawl, everybody knew him. Everybody knew who Jay Rawl was, but I think I think he's right on that, that fringe line. That, that like he, he could be, I could see either way. I could see an argument either way, but I think he's just very, with, on this ballot, I think he's very good. Yeah, I, Hall very good probably. I would rather his double play partner gets in over J. Rawl, even though really solid career. Hope he sticks around on the ballot at least for a while. If we touched on steroids-ish, like I guess we should do the same for Gary Sheffield here. No, in my mind, I mean, he does have the 500 homers, but kind of a one-trick pony in that regard. Hall of very good. Yeah. I, listen, his hands are the quickest hands I've ever seen with that, with that free bat, with his little – what he did with the bat before for his ABs. Um, but yeah, I think he's Hall of very good. Hall of Fame batting stance, though. Yes. Without yeah, a doubt. That, if there was a batting stance, Hall of Fame, he's in there. Craig Counts is in there. Moises Alou. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And Barry Bonds is in there, too. Yeah. So. We touched on Sosa a little bit here. Mark Teixeira is a no. I, I, am not, I don't have the heart no. to get into Omar Vizquela. So we're going to finish off with the last guy on the ballot and the guy who really should be in the Hall of Fame in my book. It shouldn't have taken this long. But if you're going to oh put Trevor Hoffman in the Hall of Fame, you've got to put Billy Wagner in the Hall of Fame too. Greatest to left-handed reliever of all time. Yes. Oh, my God. My left, my left arm is twitching just talking about Billy Wagner. He's, I think to me he's the second-best reliever of all time behind uh, Mariano Rivera, I think right, he's right behind him. Uh, I love Billy Wagner, and I, I mean, he should, he should already be in. I, th- I think um, that's without a doubt. But it's just one of those situations, man. He's got the – he was the closer before it was cool. Him and Mariano Rivera changed the game there. And, and, but, yeah, he should be in. We, we talk about, like, man, could you imagine if Cordell Stewart was playing in the NFL right now? Billy Wagner is that type of guy for me. Like, if he – was putting up those strikeout numbers today, like not even adjusting like how there are more swing and miss hitters nowadays, whatever. Like if you just posted those exact strikeout numbers today, those exact results, people would be freaking out to like, oh my God, Billy Wagner is one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. Like kind of a trailblazer for what, you know, you would want out of a closer or back end reliever at that point. Like I, no doubter in my mind. So I think that's it, unless you wanted to – I did skip Carl Crawford and Prince Fielder early on. No. I mean, listen, as, as good as Prince Fielder <laughs> was, uh, he would be in the Hall of Fame for back surgery. 
I don't know how to respond to that, so we're going to take a break here. we got a little more show to go. <laughs> See you in a minute. This is the third segment whenever we don't talk about baseball because there is a lockout still going on. Floated it out to Twitter. Our pal Ethan came in with a good one here for us to talk about. The Office, Parks and Rec, The Good Place, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, What Are Your Shows? All of them are created by Michael Schur. That is the list there. I haven't seen enough Good Place or Brooklyn Nine-Nine to officially rank them up, but I'll give the hot take that Parks and Rec is better than The Office. I agree. We're a little Shoot, we should just restart this whole entire segment. We agree on something. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, oh, the office is so much better than Parks and Recreation. No, I listen. I, I so before I when I first started becoming a writer, I worked in rec- Parks and Recreation uh, for uh, in Altoona, and so I obviously have a soft spot for that. But I thought that was infinitely funnier than The Office ever was. So for me, my ranking would be Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine Nine, then The Office. I don't know anything about The Good Place. I've never really seen it. I don't really have time to watch TV shows as much anymore unless I'm binging um, different documentaries and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I, Parson Rec, man, they, it had me laughing. Brooklyn Nine-Nine's the same. Um, I'm, but yeah, I, The Office just didn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't it for me, I guess I should say. I mean, I, I love both shows. And even though I love Parks and Recreation, it does the heights of the office whenever it's at its absolute best is higher than the heights of parks and rec parks and rec is a far more consistent after you get rid of season one you know ex- experience like there were very few clunkers in there but they don't ever have an episode that can rival like michael grilling his foot like that's right that's just whenever the office was on its a game it was untouched and then when it wasn't, it was bad. It got bad fast. Like, I, I've never watched the last two seasons all the way through. I just can't do it. So, then again, I don't really want to watch season one of the Parks of Recs ever again. So, you take what you get. Thank you so What's much. What's your for- favorite? Wait, 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 wait. wait. Before, okay. we go, before we go. Okay. What's your favorite show to watch now, whenever you have time? Whenever I have to- Futurama is forever my, okay. my, my comfort zone show. Just plop it in any episode. I can recite half the lines. You? The last show that I watched straight through was Manifest. Um, I love Manifest. I thought it was a really good TV show uh, on Netflix. But the one I always go to is South Park. Yeah, that's that's up there for me, too. <laughs> I'm a big Wednesdays. fan of stupid comedy. <laughs> yes. We are revealing way too much about... We swear We swear we are you know, trustworthy journalists who don't just watch South Park on Wednesdays, Wednesday nights to pass out. <laughs> and with that, we say thank you for listening to the podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to get this show, the We Are podcast that Jared also hosts, and every other show that we have here. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week. All right, man, I'll send this your way. Good deal, man. I appreciate it. Kick ass. Win. I hope so. I'll catch you later. See ya.